Welcome to Always and Forever, a spoiler-free One Tree Hill podcast where we analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing good news for people who love bad news, the third episode of season four, and the 69th produced episode overall of One Tree Hill, Caitlin. (laughs) you would (laughs) of course i've also recorded this episode with my shirt off because caitlin cannot see me so i felt like you know this is this is appropriate why not it's also we're recording this in the dead of summer it is fucking hot right now so (laughs) i'm going all in we're on a voice call so jeremy just took (laughs) advantage of that I decided to just, like, let it free. I'm like, we have to turn our air conditioners off in order to record this podcast sometimes, and it's just like, I just need to let loose, because it's miserable right now. Anyway, this episode was written by Mike Harrow and David Strauss, directed by John Asher, and originally aired on The CW on October 11th, 2006. According to the episode description in our OTH DVD box sets, this is the one with New Relationships. Skills joins the Ravens as the state playoffs begin. A hesitant Peyton gets to know her half-brother Derek, and Rachel finally finds someone to take Cooper's place in her heart, Nathan. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Except for Nathan Haley's marriage, maybe, probably, who knows. Eavesdropping on important conversations while sleeping on a bench. I'm Caitlin Illinich. <laughs> and, Caitlin, uh, big news, but keep it on the BLT. Brooke okay. broke up with Lucas. <laughs> and I am Jeremy Rodriguez. And this is all information we have not talked about yet. <laughs> that was so funny that Bevan said that in <laughs> front of Lucas. <laughs> Like Lucas, what? Lucas is like, yeah, yeah I, I, I know. I, I was, I was there. <laughs> you gotta love it. Probably one of the few uh, bright spots of this episode. I will admit. Honestly, like this, the beginning of this season is not too exciting. And listeners, I, I can assure you, there are episodes in this season that we like. Just so far, we have not gotten to them yet. Well, I mean, the end of this episode, there's a twist, which we'll obviously get to later. But yeah, we're, we're, we're everything else <laughs> was just kind of whatever. <laughs> kind of like the song. <laughs> yeah, or the it is another uh, episode that is titled after an album. Actually, this episode is titled after the album of the same name. Good news for people who love bad news by Modest Mouse and. I really don't have much to say, to be honest with you, Caitlin. I just say there's bad news all around in this episode. It's just like, this episode does not feel good. I don't like seeing these characters in these situations. I feel like most of the characters are annoying, to be honest. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that. I I really am like at a loss for words about this song and this title. Or it's the album. Yes. Um, Full disclosure, I didn't really listen to the full album, (laughs) because... I mean, come on now. That's a commitment. But I listened, uh, to, I listened to a few songs. Like, it's fine. But <laughs> it did really light up my world, personally. 
it's an has an OTH vibe to it, but like I just don't understand why did they choose this title, like this song title or album title, album title, episode. Right. <laughs> good news for people who love bad news. I don't. I mean, I mean the, the, what was episode... the good news in this episode, Jeremy? Well, I don't think there is. I, I don't. I don't think that's the whole point of the title, though. It's good news for people who love bad news, meaning there's bad news. So it's just saying, if you love bad news, this is the episode for you, basically. <laughs> it really was. But even then, like, honestly, some of the story, some of the plot lines in this episode, it's not like there was, like, there wasn't a lot of, like, new information delivered to us as the audience. It was just more like, okay, like, you know, then suck. That's it. Then suck. I, I feel like that's true about all of the episodes so far of this season there's not a lot of new information it's more mm-hmm. of the same like the first three episodes kind of just blend together in my mind yeah i feel like watching this season for the very first time back in 2006 i was like really it was much more exciting because like i you know you don't know what's to come and now, like, re-watching this, these first few episodes week by week, knowing exactly what's to come, because we're not binging it like we <laughs> like we did when we rewatched the seasons, I can definitely see more of the flaws. Like, these episodes just aren't as excited or as compelling to revisit on a rewatch. Yeah. when You're, you're right. When you're binging it, it's a different experience. It's just a little bit more fast-paced, but when you're taking the time to, like, do a close analysis basically of an episode you you really start to notice like i don't know the the pacing of the first these first three episodes to me has just been off i'm not really pulled in to the narrative neither am i so shall we just like talk about some of these narratives that are not pulling us in <laughs> yeah let's let's do it let's i guess start with what we can't really talk about <laughs> What? We can't talk about the ending. We can't talk about the ending of this next story. Okay, so, yeah, ironically, like, this, the first thing on our agenda for this episode is something that I think, I, I mean, Caitlin, speak for yourself, but I'm compelled with this story. Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we agree on that end. So, I know we'll, we'll get to the ending later. The rest of the episode, getting to know Derek... And yeah. that's the see point that we're Derek. talking about, by the way, listeners. We got to remember, listeners do not see our list. They do not. Yes. So we're moving into talking about Derek. Yes. <laughs> so the Derek storyline is interesting. And to see this like relationship develop between the brother, sister, between Peyton and Derek. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting how in the very beginning of the episode, there seems to be like sort of like a wholesome vibe. How he's, like, uh, taking pictures of Peyton, like, through the window of Karen's cafe. And it it just seems like a very friendly tone to it. Like, there's a record song playing in the background. So I really like, you know, the whole vibe that they're giving to us as the audience right here from the get-go. Which is a contrast to the moment that we get from the coda at the ends, which we'll talk about later. And there's a little bit of banter between Peyton and Derek, too. Mm -hmm. Like, you're starting to see that bond a little bit. And it's actually kind of developed rather quickly, because the way the last episode ended, and actually where the episode began is like, 
Peyton was kind of questioning and she had Lucas there at the cafe and like Derek knew that like she probably had someone as backup just in case because like you're meeting someone from the for the first time I thought that was but I thought that was cute honestly (laughs) yeah no it was definitely cute so like the last episode you know the last two episodes were like there was no contact and then then Derek showed up in 402 so now we flash forward we see them like already kind of having this relationship as brother and sister and They seem to be getting along, and I like the word that you use, Jeremy, wholesome. Like, that's the vibe. That is a good uh, explanation of, like, the vibe between them so far, which happened rather quickly. Yeah, and right now it seems like, like you were saying, it's with her bonding a lot. Like, Peyton gives Derek the Tree Hill death tour (laughs) to show her, like, all the horrible things happened in Tree Hill, which was, you know, kind of on brand for Peyton. For sure. And I kind of like the uh, the story that we're being fed right now. Like, Derek seems to be giving her a clear out. Says that he'll leave town if she wants him to. But yep. she invites him to the game and uh, and the party afterward. Um, So the two of them really seem to be getting tight. They're spending a lot of time together. Um, Derek also says that he knows nothing about her, uh, about her father, or their father, I should say. Because, according to him, the their dad like walked out on them when he was little so he doesn't know any information and also at the end of the toward the end of the episode Derek is looking at Peyton's uh, artwork and he immediately takes a like into the drawing that Ellie did of the angel of death and then Ellie was like oh here take it like Ellie brought us together so I want you to have it and Derek was like thank you I'll find a special place for it I know, yeah, so, like, I was surprised that Peyton actually gave that picture up, considering how special that is to her. Right, yeah. She's, like, you see this side, this vulnerable side that she's sharing with him a little bit, and you can tell that she's happy to have a family member, because, honestly, she's (laughs) hardly has anyone in her life from her family. Yeah. Her dad, who is just nowhere around. Mm Mm-hmm. And even Derek noticed that Peyton had her guard up as well throughout the episode. Yeah, for sure. The, so. <laughs> do we want to talk about the party and Brooke walking up to Derek and kissing him? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I can't stand Brooke so, in this episode. Can I just, can so I just say that real quickly? But yes, yeah. but, but, yes uh, tell, tell everybody what happens between uh, Brooke and Derek. <laughs> So, Brooke sees Peyton and Derek walk in. She doesn't know who it is. But they walk into the party, and Brooke assumes that this is a guy that Peyton is seeing. Like a date. So, she walks right up to him and kisses him on the lips. <laughs> and uh, does she say anything? She, I, I think she just says, like, Do you, uh, like, are you here with Peyton? And then she just kisses him without asking, essentially. Yeah, yeah cringe like so cringy yeah For, on so many levels like just going up to someone and kissing them randomly is weird and not right and at the same time it's like she's trying to on purpose right hurt Peyton mm-hmm. and like they're just in a terrible place and it's hard to watch and now it's just like this really bitter place that now Brooke is doing stuff like this trying to like get revenge yeah, and then Peyton ends up telling her, she's like, that's my brother. And she's like, yep. oh, 
seems like your mother slept around, man. Or slept around more than you did. Like, okay, Brooke. Like, th this just seems... I, I know she's hurt and whatnot, but this seems very petty even for her, I think. Yes, it is. It's not like Brooke. Yeah, and then we also have the game where uh, we see that we see that little interaction between uh, it's uh, Rachel and Haley, and Haley's like, stay the hell away from my husband. And then Rachel's like, I'm just trying to give him a proper thank you. And then Haley's like, your thank you send people to the free clinic. And then that makes uh, Peyton laugh. And then Brooke's like, what are you laughing for? Your I love you send people to their graves. And then Peyton's like, well, if that's the case, then I love you, Brooke. And then blows her a kiss. And that Brooke just says, whore. Which, like, this whole interaction's, like, really funny and really humorous, like, out of context. But, like, just knowing these characters and, like, falling in love with them over the course of four seasons, this really hurts to see. It's some dark comedy right there. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, <gasps> if I was seeing this on an episode of Drag Race, I'd be, like, eating this up. But, like, after seeing, you know... After seeing everything these characters have gone through, I'm like, I, I hate seeing these two like this. Yeah, it's... It, they're just not in a good place at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, let's talk let's talk a little bit more about like some of uh, some of Brooke's uh, behavior, too. So Brooke is, like, venting to Haley about the situation. And Haley just finds out why uh, Brooke and Peyton are on the outs. And I find it really shocking that, like, this is Haley's first time finding this information out. Yeah, I thought that, too. I was like, why is Brooke going on about this kiss? I guess she's all worked up because she saw Peyton and Lucas leave the store in the last episode. Yeah, that's fair. But at the same time, we're talking about a kiss that happened. Now, I mean, whoa. What is time? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm <laughs> not going there today. <laughs> But it has been a certain amount of time since since the wedding and finding all of that out. Because that's when Brooke found out because Lucas accidentally revealed it. I, Yeah. How, how would Haley not know? Like, how did she not hear from someone? Right. Whether, I mean, Brooke wouldn't have told her already. Or Peyton wouldn't have mentioned it, or Lucas wouldn't have mentioned it. Like, I feel like there's three people here that would have told her. Right, yeah. At this point. It was really, I thought that was really strange, too. Well, I mean, from Peyton's perspective, it's like, it's a little bit deeper than that. I, I like, I think, uh, like, maybe from Lucas's perspective, it's about the kiss. And also, but, but like, you know, between Brooke and Peyton, it's, like, very complicated, I feel like. Like, through Peyton's perspective, it's the fact that she has feelings for Lucas in the first place. Yeah. So, like, I get it. Maybe that's why she didn't necessarily talk to Haley about it. But one thing that I find really weird is that when she finds out, when Haley finds out about the kiss, she confronts Lucas about it. But she doesn't ask anything to Peyton. She doesn't talk to Peyton at all. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Haley's like saying like, oh, there, there aren't any sides. Like, I didn't know there were sides to take. But like, it, it just seems like she's, it, it just seems like she very much is Team Brooke. Which I under, I understand, like, hearing Brooke's side of the situation, it's like, oh, wow, that's really fucked up. But why doesn't she want to hear Peyton's perspective? Well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that she would go to her best friend first, which is Lucas, and give him a hard time. Because he was the one also dating Brooke when mm -hmm. this happened. So I kind of get 
why she would go to him first, but yeah, she never got to hear Peyton's perspective. And she didn't even know, like, from Brooke that, like, I feel like Haley didn't even know the context of the kiss. Lucas was the one who gave that information, saying, like, Peyton thought she was going to die, and, like, we were in this extreme situation, and it just kind of happened. You know, he gave her all that context, which she didn't get from Brooke. She just got from Brooke that it was a kiss. I, I think that's all Brooke said to her, right? Yeah, she just said they kiss again. Yeah, so, like... And when you hear that, of course Brooke. you're going to have Haley's reaction. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, like, I just don't like the fact that, like, these characters aren't really talking to each other about, like, some of these bigger problems. Again, this is, like, the number one pet peeve about some teen dramas. Like, a lot of problems could be solved if people just talk to each other. And it, it just, I find it really weird that, like, Haley and Peyton are on the outs right now, it seems. Yeah as well and i don't think it's i'm saying that i'm using very loaded language but like to the best of my knowledge i don't think this is ever really like addressed like if there is any bad blood between these two yeah i guess we'll see yeah well yeah we'll see as we go along um other things happen with brooke we kind of get like a repeat of the end of summer beach party when uh brooke is handing around a bunch of guys and then lucas is just like oh um I, you said you wanted me to fight for you, but she never fought for me. And then Brooke's like, and I'm not going to. And he's like, I guess I was wrong. I'm not the guy for you, Brooke Davis. And then she, he looks at all the guys and is like, she's all yours. This is all so gross to me. Yeah. It it was interesting to see like a repeat of that scene, but like in reverse. Yeah. In a different context. Yeah. He does make the point that Brooke never really fought for Lucas. Do you agree with that? Because it, it made me, it actually made me stop and think for a second when I was watching it. And I rewatched this, the scene. I don't know. I feel like Brooke has done so much work in season three to really, like, you know, be vulnerable and show her feelings to Lucas. And, and I, her insecurities got the better of her, for sure. But I feel like Lucas could have done a better job of, like, making her feel a little bit secure, like, at the baseline. So Brooke didn't necessarily yeah. need all this reassurance. Yeah, because I think her vulnerabilities and her anxieties about this relationship was ultimately caused her to push Lucas away, too. And I, I agree that, that Lucas could have helped more, but I think that anxiety did kind of push him away to be honest and i'm also like reading into like other scenes in uh season three but do you remember that uh the one episode it's the episode right after brooke and lucas get back together and uh lucas decides to call up brooke as a joke and says like hi uh peyton and i like uh broke down we're gonna have to crash for the night and He's, like, lying to her, and then, like, oh, surprise, he's at her door. Like, this is never acknowledged as a problem in the narrative, like, you know, within the story. It's like, haha, that's so funny. But even, like, stupid stuff like that, like, really should be addressed. Like, Lucas should not be making jokes like that. And Brooke just, like, you know, is completely okay with it. Yeah, definitely insensitive. I think we called that out we in the moment, did. too, for sure. Oh, yeah. <sighs> It's such a complicated thing. 
But I think I, I feel like the, the term fighting for somebody is like is really loaded language. I don't know if necessarily like Brooke fought for Lucas, but she was like she did her absolute best to be vulnerable and show him that she did care for him. And in return, like, you know, he, he goes away on a trip and doesn't call Brooke and he doesn't like necessarily show that like he needs her or anything like that. It's and, and honestly, like these two were just very incompatible for each other, I feel like. Yeah, when it came down to it, I think you're right. They just didn't work together. Yeah, but and that is the, the choices reveal. that Lucas made were were insensitive, like the examples you just gave, which then caused Brooke to be even more uh like anxiety ridden <laughs> yeah and i'm not even necessarily holding holding him accountable for the kiss with peyton either though like that happened during the shooting like i i really don't blame lucas for that um and i no. I, I also understand why brooke like got hurt by that like i i get it like i can you know you can feel like all these things at the same time yeah i feel like lucas made some stupid choices and insensitive choices but at the same time I feel like there just happened to be a lot of situations that he somehow got got into, like the kiss. Like, what was he supposed to really do about that? Yeah, exactly. There was just kind of like unfortunate timing, I think. Yeah. I don't blame him, and I don't blame him for not telling Brooke necessarily, because it's one of those things where it's like, what? You're, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I have, I have space for him, I am sorry to say, <laughs> but I do understand that Brooke, that is Brooke found out, and I'm like, you know what, Brooke, you did what you need to do, and I am completely proud of you for that. Yeah, I agree. So we have this scene, and Lucas walks away, so now my thought is, like, are these two officially done? That's, like, where my mind's at, because it felt a little final when he walked away. That's a great question. It seems like it's final, like, but they're on they're on bad terms right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh boy. Yeah, let's talk about something a little bit more excited and happy. Skills being on the team, wearing Lucas's jersey number. I think that is really adorable. Yeah, that was a sweet scene when they're sitting on the bleachers and Lucas hands him the jersey with his mm-hmm. number number three on it. And uh, but despite all this, Skills is uh is being benched for the entire game. And the thing I find so funny about this, like, is Skills like the only black player on the team? I feel like there have been <laughs> other ones in the past. I don't know if I was really paying attention. They're at the very least in extras. this episode. <laughs> yeah. But in the past, at least, I feel like I've seen them as extras. Or I mean, they're they're playing. Are they, I feel like they're a little bit more than extras. Probably some of them. They're more so, like, just background actors, but I guess it's, like, an extra. But if they keep coming back for, like, to be a part of the team, even though they don't have speaking lines, like, what does that make them? I don't really know. I have no, I don't, I don't know. Somebody in the industry let us know about that, like, what that proper term is. But regardless, the fact that I'm, like, okay, like, all these, like, you know, all these, like, white people are playing on the team, and, like, it doesn't seem like Whitey is given skills a proper chance, which I find, like, very surprising for Whitey, because isn't his whole deal, like, that's how he got his name Whitey? Because, like, you know, he was, like, with, like, uh, a bunch of mixed-race players, and they referred to him as Whitey. So, like, yeah, you're Whitey, right. like, knew about <laughs> racism and white supremacy, and it's just like, come on, give Skills a little bit of a chance. Yeah, I 
and you kind of wonder how this all works because like he is just the newest team member at the same time. Yeah, it is fair, but so I don't know. And I'm like really like reading into this on a deeper level, but yeah, I feel like these are things that you have to like really think about because because of the fact like. You know, the show is a very white show, for one thing. So, like, you know, just, like, not acknowledging skills as race, I feel like, is a is a problem, you know? Yeah. I Yeah, um, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, you wonder how, like, I wonder what the, the meaning behind it really was. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be. Um, I really did like the scene where, like, uh, skills is essentially, uh, <laughs> is vented to Nathan, Whitey's right behind him. Skills is like... They don't call me skills because I'm good at pl- picking splitters out <laughs> out my ass. And then Nathan, <laughs> he says, like, tell Whitey that. And then Nathan just, like, uh, leads over to Whitey, who's behind <laughs> skills, says, they don't call him skills because he's good at picking splitters out his ass. <laughs> and then Whitey's and- like, all right, skills, show me what you got. God forbid Whitey keeps you down. Which I'm, like, right there just showing, like, there is a little bit of racial shit there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Because he is, Whitey is a, a white man, keeping skills down, you know? Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. But skills kills it, absolutely kills it at the game. <laughs> I know, and I love that, how he takes that, the winning shot, and before it gets into the hoop, it goes into a, a ping pong, goes into a cup at the party <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like that little that was a clever little cut i like that and you just see skills like all excited and everything it was that was fun it was really awesome to say and um ow let's talk about one scene like i don't even know if you notice it i as many times as i've seen this episode i only notice it in my watch today right before this recorded but Skills uh, is talking to both uh, Nathan and Lucas. He says, I'm so tight, they're going to call me Ziploc. And then you know what Nathan says in response? He says, just say you're going to bring it, Skills. And I'm like, is Skills replacing him? <laughs> yeah, I didn't is catch re- that. Yeah, I didn't catch it until just now. And I'm like, is, is Skills supposed to be the replacer for Tim? Because we have not seen him. Since a freaking dream sequence in season three. Yeah, he never got a good send-off. Or any send-off at all. He did not. He absolutely did not. So that just made me a little sad to say. like, Or sad to hear, I should say. <laughs> but I'm like, I, what? I'm glad you kept, caught that line, because like, I did not pay attention to that. But that is so true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just have in my notes, Tim callback with a crying face emoji. Aw. I miss him. Very sad. But uh, there is a really cute scene at the at the river court with uh, with Lucas and Skills, but I think feel like to just give a little bit of context about that, let's uh, talk about Mouth's pity party. Mouth is really fucking annoying in this episode. Yeah. And it all it all stems from that conversation he had with Rachel. Call- mm-hmm. And basically, she called him a friend, and then he's like, oh, yeah. I'm just a friend. I'm always just a friend. Oh my god. And guess what, so, Mouth? People like, want to be your friend. That is great. <laughs> this wouldn't bother me so much if I didn't know the context behind like the behind the scene context. That mouth was like a sand end for that, the show's creator. Yes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it wouldn't bother me as much. 
Yeah, because... I mean, I think it would still bother me just because of the whole fact, like, you know, it just seems like one of those, like, entitled, like, an entitled guy who's like, oh, I'm always friend-zoned. But, I mean, here's yeah. the other, like, Mouth actually, okay. Mouth actually is a nice guy, though, so it is kind of, like, shocking that he doesn't get, like, any girlfriends or anything like that. Um, But he's, like, it, it does seem like it's the writer's way of just basically saying that, like, oh, like, you know, the only reason why, like, hot girls don't want to date me is because, like, I am unattractive, not because I'm also an asshole. <laughs> you know, and Mouth's not an asshole. This is just, like, his way of, like, Essentially, like, gaslighting some of the women, I think. Yeah, and, like, as a teenager, like, just kind of putting it in the perspective of a teenager, like, I can imagine that that's a really frustrating thing. Because, like, you're trying to figure out relationships, and you can't really do that when no one gives you a chance. So, I like, I can understand it from that, from that kind of perspective, why Mouth would be frustrated. But, yeah, you're definitely right. Like, there is... A sense of entitlement that is just not attractive at all. Right, exactly. I'm like, I wouldn't want to date you either, Mouth. <laughs> and then, like, uh, Peyton is Peyton is introducing Mouth to Derek, and he's like, uh, "Whatever you do, stop kissing Brooke. Don't date Rachel. Uh, don't move here." And he's like, "What was I talking about?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Is is Mouth uh, drunk or is he stoned? Because this is definitely stoned behavior right here." <laughs> it just makes you wonder do they have these writers ever gotten drunk because you obviously do not know how it affects your brain <laughs> <laughs> and like the whole the mouth storyline it just continues on like he talks to various characters at one point he's talking to lucas and he basically says you're all the you're the guy that all the girls want and i'm always once again friend zoned so he's really, like, pitying himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, like, I, I get it, Mouth, but, like, Mouth is just so, so annoying, just, like, complaining and, like, just just being whiny about the whole situation. And I'm like, uh, you're right, they are in high school, and I get, like, you know, this can be, like, really isolating, but I'm just annoyed, <laughs> if anything. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that Mouth reveals to Lucas is that he uh, wishes that none of them ever left the River Corps because they were so much happier then. And um, Lucas kind of takes that to heart a little bit, so he talks to Skills about it later at the River Corps. And then Skills says, well, that's a real stupid way to think, though, dog. I mean, considering if you wouldn't have left the River Corps, you would have never got with Brooke twice. Your brother would still be a stranger. And Rockstar Haley Scott... She'd probably still be good old Haley, bookworm Haley James. You can't hide from life, dog. Eventually, you gotta live it. And I think that was, like, a really great, like, thing to hear. I agree, because it, like, put it back into perspective. Because I think what Math said, it, it is a moment where it makes you think, like, what if we what if we did never leave the, the river court? You know? What would things be like now? But, see... Skills always grounds these characters, yes. <laughs> and Lucas in that moment needed the reminder. And I like, I like that role that Skills plays in this show. Like he, he always gives like that those words of wisdom at the right moment. 
I'm very happy to see that he is a regular. <laughs> I'm yes. glad we get to see more of him. He's getting his work. Antoine Tanner's yep. getting his coins, his series regular salary. Good yes. for him. Yeah, that's like the biggest bright spot of this whole episode, honestly. <laughs> Next up, let's talk about Karen and Dan. Oh, God. Um, oh, so I want to call out, like, a, uh, really interested deleted scene. Uh, Dan is essentially having, like, a, uh, like, a dream sequence. Oh, I where, saw uh, this. <laughs> yeah. But this I'm is so this weird. Because, because it's really interesting. So, Dan is on the river core, and, uh, he's talking to Nathan and Lucas, and then Nathan is like, Hey, Dad, I'm, we're playing a game of murder. I'm killing Lucas. And then Dan's like, just like I killed Keith. And then you see, like, the cheerleaders playing jump rope. They have these little pigtails, which is very, like, very creepy and, like, infantilized and fetishy, I think. But regardless, I feel like the scene's so funny. They're playing jump rope and they're sending that song. How many times did Dan shoot Keith? One. One. Oh, my gosh. And then we see a very, very pregnant Karen. And Karen's like, you left me again. And then um, we see Keith's, like, you know, child, Keith's child ghosts, like, walking around. And then all of a sudden, Dan is getting a CAT scan, and it turns out there is nothing wrong with his brain. So he's not, like, I mean, he is hallucinating this whole thing with uh, Keith, but it's more of, like, a guilty conscience and not something, like, you know, medically wrong with him. Yeah, it's interesting that he actually went to go get a CAT scan. Mm-hmm. But... That was interesting, but that didn't actually happen in the episode. That was cut. <laughs> so. The tone, the tone of that whole dream sequence, like, doesn't match the show. Like, that was so weird with the cheerleaders <laughs> jumping up and down. <laughs> like, yes. we've never seen anything like that in One Tree Hill before. Honestly, I hate to say it, but like, I feel like that was just an excuse to get the to get the women in pigtails and have them like, you know, Maybe. look all baby one more time, Britney Spears era, you know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, but anyway, anyway, back to Karen and Dan. Yes. I am just like, Dan, stop coming around. Like, stop bothering Karen. <laughs> He's always coming to the cafe now and just like. But then then again, Karen went to Dan later on in the episode, which was the more interesting scene. Because the first one at the cafe was just more of the same. It's like, Dan, get a grip. Like. She even tells Dan to leave Deb alone. Yes, leave Deb alone. And try to remember, like, that you used to love that person. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. But, like, I thought that was really great for Karen to, like, really come to Deb's defense, though, because even though, like, things ended pretty badly for them in the previous episode, she still does care, and she just wants to make sure that, like, Deb is getting treated right. And she says, like, whatever you're doing, Dan, like, you're always doing something. Like, just stop. Yep. And just, like, encouraging him to get help for Deb, you know? Yeah. I just wish he would stop coming around and bugging Karen. And I'm really yeah. surprised that Karen actually went to Dan later in the episode and was asking, like, basically how, what was it like to, to give up basketball? And were you okay after that? Because she's wondering about Lucas and how much he misses the game and everything. And I'm like, Dan is the wrong person to be going to for the, this answer. I'm sorry. For what it's worth, he did acknowledge that, though. I will defend him on that. He did. But it's just like, Karen, why are you wasting your time, girl? Like, please? 
But I feel like that was kind of an answer that she needed. She saw, like, how Dan got affected by that. And that's why Dan said, like, I'm not the right person to answer that. And then Karen's like, good point. So who knows what she will do with this information in the next episode. But I feel like she did get an answer that she needed because she saw, like, what happened to Dan. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, why did she go to Dan? I just don't agree with it. Yeah. I see what you mean, but I feel like it's a waste of time. There's other people she could she could go to talk to Whitey. And while Whitey maybe hasn't given up basketball, per se, I feel like you could gain some kind of perspective from him. I feel like the writers are just trying to make us think that there's some type of, like, magnetic pull between these two. And You're right. for what it's worth, like... Like, I have been on the record in our Patreon-exclusive Discord server, that, you know, where I'm like, oh, like, you know, some of these, the storyline with Dan is pretty good. Like, it's, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm trying not to spoil too much, but, like, I, I like it. And, but now, like, revisiting this, I'm just like, this doesn't work for me as much as I remember it working for me. And I feel like that's just what happens with age. Yeah, totally different perspective. Like, right now, it just seems like Dan's, like, honestly harassing Karen and like you know he's he's bothering her when he really shouldn't be yep and it's driving me nuts Jeremy mm-hmm and uh but you know Dan's also getting driven nuts by Keith's ghost so at the end of the episode Dan is just like what do you want me to do and then Keith's ghost is just like I think you know what to do and then he basically points to the gun on the coffee table yeah so there's there's some pretty dark implications there for sure. Oh gosh, everything is dark, <laughs> really. Yeah, like including uh, the next thing we have to talk about, <laughs> <laughs> like Nathan's whole PTSD then. And, uh, yeah, he's seeing visions at the basketball game. Mm-hmm. The water was coming down, and then he's like banging on the glass to try to. Like, he's trapped. So, there's a lot that he's working through. And I feel like Rachel is just not the person he needs to turn to. I feel like he kind of feels like some type of, like, trauma bond with uh with Rachel in a way. Because, like, she's the only one who, like, really understands, like, what happened. But even then, I'm like, I know, like, Michael Truco is no longer on the show. But you can still call your uncle. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't <laughs> it a little weird? Isn't it a little weird that he left the show and, like, there's not much closure and there wasn't, like, a good... There really wasn't, like, a good final scene with Nathan and Cooper. I know. Well, we know, like, we know, like, what happened behind the scenes. Like, Michael Truco was getting more money to be on Battlestar Galactica, so he just ended up turning down the opportunity to be on more episodes. Which is a yeah. shame. I really would have loved to have seen Uncle Cooper in more scenes. But instead, we got Rachel essentially flirting with Nathan and, doing, like, going a little bit above and beyond, I will say. Uh, she went up and kissed him unwarranted. Like, yep. ugh. Drove me I was, nuts. I was just about like, to say that. And, uh, because it's right after uh, Nathan receives a, an, an award for just basically being, like, for, I hate to say it, but, like, doing the bare minimum. Like, I hate that, like, you know, you're, he's getting, like, an award for that. And for, for what it's worth, I don't think Nathan, is, Nathan doesn't want that award, for what it's worth. Yeah. And he's yeah, saying he clear. doesn't want it because, like, oh, Keith actually rescued me, but... 
I feel like, you know, deep down, like, Nathan just acknowledges the fact that, like, I really shouldn't be awarded for this. And, like, there's, and then we see Dan presented the award, and he's like, uh, Nathan saved lives. This is a quality I most hope to inspire in him. And I'm like, why are you making this about yourself, Dan? Because he takes any opportunity to do that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. So, like, right after Nathan received their award, Rachel comes out of nowhere and jumps up and kisses him. Like, yep. where did that come from? She wanted and to how... give him a proper thank you. What was she thinking? <laughs> Especially with Haley being right there in front of the entire school. I don't know. It's incredibly wrong. It's very wrong. And I'm just going to take a note from what the drama queen said. Like, how interesting would this have been if Rachel was just sort of, like, feeling some PTSD and she, like, had, like, this sort of, uh, like, this hero worship syndrome for Nathan. But instead, it just seems like she's just like, ooh, I'm going to be all tantalizing and sexy with my evil titties. And I'm going to come after this woman's husband. But that's not what, you know... that's what they're doing rather than make it into something interesting because there are also the, we're going to get to the code on a bit, but like, you know, like we see Rachel, like, you know, cuddling with like Nathan's award because Nathan throws it away later. Like there's, there's so many great moments where I'm like, okay, this is interesting to explore, but the show doesn't go there. Yeah. They're finding every opportunity to make Rachel sexy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. versus showing, like, a realistic vulnerability in this moment. Cooper just left town. Like, she has PTSD from the the accident. Like, why can't Nathan and Rachel just, like, have a connection in that way of, like, trying to work through through the trauma? Yeah, it's There has like, to be, it- like, these flirting, this flirting and this tension and... Ugh, it's just a reflection of, you know, what was going on behind the scenes uh, of the show. Oh, for sure, yeah. And and I feel like it would have been very interesting to see, like, uh, Nathan and Rachel having a connection just about the accident, because Nathan doesn't feel like he can talk to Haley about it. And, that you know, and I feel like this could have made Haley feel insecure, and, you know, and maybe Rachel would have feelings for Nathan, and Nathan just doesn't feel the same way, but he does feel a connection to Rachel, I feel like there could have been, like, in order to make this into, like, a true, like, quote-unquote love triangle, it, this could have been so much more compelling if the writers actually went there. Yep. <sighs> it's a very kind of, it's not really a well-developed storyline. Yeah, and instead we get Rachel being, like, outright rude to Haley, saying things like, um, don't worry, I used to be a fat chick with a little head, too. I know, and then later on, Haley's asking Nathan, am I fat? Is my head little? And I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> right. We're talking about someone who <laughs> is clearly thin. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, unattract- unattractive. Like, you're talking down on someone like that. Mm-hmm. It really, that really can mess with teenagers' heads. When you're oh, making yeah. comments about someone who's clearly not fat. And also, like, you know, even later on in that scene, too, when she's uh, talking to Nathan, and then he's like, no, I don't think you're fat. Like, being called fat is, like, the worst in the world. Like, it's, like, the equivalent to how uh, people can say, like, you know, you're not fat, you're beautiful. It's like... Yes, yes. You can be fat and beautiful, too. There's there's so many layers to this, and I'm just like, 
really annoyed. Like, I would really love to see, like, a really good fan fiction that completely redoes this entire storyline with Rachel and Nathan and actually made it interesting. Like, they can make it scandalous. Like, you know, like, you know, add a little bit of scandal. Like, you know, make, like, I don't know, make Haley insecure about the amount of time that Rachel and Nathan are spending together. I do not want Nathan and Rachel across that line, of course, but... Yeah. I just think that there's so many better ways the story could be done and executed. And it just makes me wonder, like, what could have been here? Yes. Listeners, what do you think? Like, where should the storyline go? Yeah. Bonus points. Send us a fanfic. <laughs> yes. I would love that. Send us a fanfic. Maybe Caitlin and I will do a dramatic reenactment on the show. Who knows? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but- but um, Brooke confronts Rachel and just basically says, you cannot do this to Nathan and Haley. And then Rachel is like, I think you're going to stay out of this. And Brooke's like, yeah, why? And then Rachel's like, because you're pregnant. Like, what does one thing have to do with the other? I, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think it might have to do with the fact, like, oh, like, you know, I'm going to beat your ass, Brooke, if you keep uh, coming for me. And I'm not going to beat your ass because you're pregnant. Like, I, I, I don't I don't know. Like, that's really reading into things, but. And Rachel points out all these reasons of why she thinks Brooke is pregnant. She's not drinking. She is making maternity clothes. She found pamphlets in Brooke's drawer about, I don't know, like. Planned Parenthood. Yeah, Planned Parenthood stuff. (laughs) So that's interesting. And Brooke doesn't really have much to say. Back to that. And then the camera pans to Mouth, who is awake, laying on the bench. (laughs) Yeah, but he hears everything. Yep. Oh, boy. That is fascinating. So we shall see what comes of this. Yes. So shall we go into talking about this coda? So Won't Back Down by Matt Kearney. Let's do it. So we start off in Naley's apartment and... Nathan admits to Haley that he saw Keith under the water during the accident. And then he he gives Haley the Cracker Jack bracelet. Yep, after having a really nice emotional talk. But also, how the hell did Nathan find that bracelet? I know, right? I get it. It's romantic. It's cute. But like, Where did come it, on. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's like finding a needle in a haystack. And wh- what did Nathan do? Did he just like go down to the river and swim around? Like <laughs> honestly, after what I, after what he went through in the water, like why would you want to be near water? Like ever again, ever again? Yet alone now, you know. I know it's like did the bracelet wash up on shore? Like come on, it's it seems impossible. Yeah, but here we are. Uh. We had a cute naily moment, and they. Had the bracelet. It's just like, you know, your perfect moment, Jeremy. Let's not question that. (laughs) Let's not question it. I'm sorry. (laughs) We always question the logistics of shit, okay? I know. I know. And let's not forget this is the same exact scene where Haley's like, do you think I'm fat? Do I have a little head? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, in the next scene, we're in Rachel's bedroom, and this is when Rachel is lying in bed. She's looking at the award Nathan previously trashed. And then we're in Peyton's room. We see her looking at her email, and she gets a photo from Derek and opens that up, that file up. And she seems to be pleased with the photo. It was like a candid photo. And that's when Lucas's voiceover begins. 
And we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll read it all at the end. Yes. So, and then we're at the River Court. Skulls and Lucas are just playing. It's cute. I like it. And then we're in Brooke and Rachel's room. Rachel is asleep, lying next to Nathan's award, and Brooke is crying. And then we are in Nailey's bedroom. We see the two of them lying down. Um, we see Nathan's hand on his chest. It has his wedding ring and, like, on full display. And then Haley places her hand on his, and we see the Cracker Jack bracelet. So, nice, wholesome. Yes. Next, we're in Dan's living room. Dan looks at the gun that's on the coffee table, and Keith's ghost, ghost reappears. Yep. And it just stared me and creepy. And then... <laughs> So we are in. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna do the next two scenes just because it's like an easy transition to do. Um, So we are in Peyton's room, and uh, Peyton is handing the uh, Derek's photo that she just received on her wall because guess what? She has a printer and she's able to print them out. Remember that those days when we had printers, Caitlin? (laughs) Yes. When we had printers like in our house, like just just imagine. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> but she hands the photo on her wall, and then the scene transitions to a different room. We see the same photo, and then we zoom out, and there's a whole wall full of photos of Peyton in different positions, different locations, and it's just, it's basically a shrine of photos of Peyton. And then we see Derek, shirtless, lo- looking good. But I don't trust him. And he's just like, you know, clipping some photos and then the credits roll. Oh, man. Well, that was a twist. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? I'm sure it's very, it's very sibling-like. And, you know, he just really, really loves his sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that ending really uh, took a turn there. So there's <laughs> seems like there's some darker elements to uh, Derek. Yeah, and the thing, uh, and th- there was a reason why I noted in the beginning of the episode where he's stopping the photos. There's a nice wholesome vibe to it, and then we cut. Then there's this ending scene with Derek, and there's like uh, there's a little bit of like a creepy tone. Like it, it, I, I could be imagining this entirely, but I feel like when it went to credits, we heard a bong sound. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of gives like a creepy vibe to it yeah yeah so it's interesting to say like the contrast between the beginning and the end of the episode both of which feature Derek with photos of Peyton in different forms yep and then the ending paired with the voiceover that's running through all of the scenes we just described and then ending with Derek's room with the shrine of Peyton So we hear Lucas say, You ever look at a picture of yourself and see a stranger in the background? It makes you wonder how many strangers have pictures of you. How many moments of other people's lives have we been in? Were we a part of someone's life when their dreams came true? Or were we there when their dreams died? Did we keep trying to get in as if we were somehow destined to be there? Or did the shot take us by surprise? Just think, you could be a big part of someone else's life and not even know it. Quite haunting. Yup. 
because it seems like Peyton has been a big part of Derek's life. And she had no idea. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's talk about some of our top favorite moments. What was your favorite quote? So I actually really loved Lucas's voiceover. That, okay, that I just okay. read. <laughs> so I'm going to go with that one. I've always liked that in this episode. It's one of the highlights of a not that great episode. But um, yeah. And they paired with like that ending, like everything leading up to it. And then the ending of it all paired together was was really good. What about you? That's good. I would say my favorite is uh, Skills' quote, what he says to Lucas at the River Court, which I read earlier. Nice. Yeah, that was a really good one, too. Yeah, I feel like it just really put things in perspective. It was like a nice, bright spot for a not bright episode. Yeah, agreed. What was your favorite musical moments? So I loved Post Blue by Placebo, which Same. played- Yes, I always loved that song. Mm-hmm. It played during the basketball scene towards the beginning of the episode, and you see it especially, or you hear it especially during Nathan's free throw. Free throws. For some reason, I got tongue-tied there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. And, like, the water's coming down, and, like, you hear the lyrics, it's in the water, baby. And then, like, he's imagining the water and, like, being trapped inside. I thought that was, like, a really cool moment. Yeah, I like the song. I always love this band too. They uh, they're so one of their uh, songs. Uh, every every you and every me uh, opens the Cruel Intentions movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, and Cruel Intentions is my most favorite movie of all time. And uh, let me tell you, Caitlin, we will have an episode of Baker Soundstage where we will cover it because this is our tangential connection. Placebo featured in Cruel Intentions. They also featured in One Tree Hill. So that's your favorite movie of all time. I don't think I know this. You didn't know this about me, really? No, I don't think I've ever seen oh, the wow. movie. Oh yeah, you've never seen it, right? No, I don't think so. Okay, this will this will definitely be a Baker Soundstage. Interesting. <laughs> Who knows what that'll be? But I just wanted an excuse to talk about girl intentions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I agree. This song—I don't know if I know any other placebo songs, but like, it has a really good vibe, and it like fit really well in the basketball in any kind of basketball scene where like it has to have energy, you know. So I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also some queer representation of this band as well. So oh, cool. we get some queer, we get some queer representation in One Tree Hill for once. We haven't nice. seen that in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. Um. But anyway. Okay. So your rating. <laughs> what do you think? I'm gonna give it two out of five bracelets at the bottom of the river. Oh snap! Assuming it's at the bottom of the river, who knows? <laughs> but. This episode just—I feel like it's—I feel like it's a mess. These are not the characters that I want nor deserve. <laughs> um, and I feel like the only bright spot, honestly, is skills and just a couple funny lines here and there. I know, but overall, I am not pleased with this episode. Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I think it's a little bit better than the previous episode because I gave the previous one a two out of five. I'm gonna give this one just a three out of five. Photographs. F- photogra- like, consensual photographs, or, fo- or like, creepy photographs? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> Just photographs. <laughs> uh, okay, keep it vague. Keep yep, it vague. Yep, keep it vague. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, I feel like we dissected it enough when we talked about the episode as a whole. Like, 
it's not that great. <laughs> like, the storylines are kind of frustrating and whatnot, but it was a little bit better than the last one, so I'm just going to upgrade it to, to a three. But, yeah, I'm not really, like, super excited about this season so far. <laughs> <laughs> but it just sucks because we know there are good episodes yes, coming. But they are definitely fewer and further between than season three. And I feel like se- we're still riding the high from season three. And we're just like, wow, this is kind of a downgrade. But I apologize, listeners, if we sound like broken records. Like, you know, like we hate like bashing one of our favorite shows, but there there are a lot of issues with the season. Uh-huh. Well, you know, we have to tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't win them all. They can't all be a season three, Jeremy. They cannot. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're going to get to the good stuff. We're going to get there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Always and Forever. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D. Always and Forever is also on Patreon. And you can support us over on patreon.com slash always OTH pod to gain access to special perks such as our private discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners and feel free like call us in do you love these episodes of season four tell us we would love to hear it challenge us and uh if you subscribe to our patreon you also gain access to bonus episodes which includes our drama queens reaction podcast royal review our movie podcast baker soundstage stay tuned for cruel intentions which will happen in like three years we'll say (laughs) (laughs) as well as our spoiler full mini episodes and uh right now you will be able to hear caitlin and i talk about our favorite horror movie episodes of one tree hill and we will be ranking them yes so i'm so excited for that (laughs) yes it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting i can't wait to talk about that and uh if you're listening to this episode spoiler spoiler free like and you're wondering like why are you recording about why are you recording an episode on that i don't understand what you mean by scary movies well Maybe if you subscribe to our Patreon at the $10 level, you'll gain access to our to early episode releases, and then you'll get some context about scary movies. That's a really long-winded way to plug our <laughs> Patreon, but you get it. <laughs> it is hot. It is summer. I am, like, really melting. <laughs> But if you can't support us on Patreon, you can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's the easiest way to support us and to help One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. And if you leave us a review, we may read it on the show. Yes, five-star reviews, please. Yes, only five stars. Only five stars. I am Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can follow me on the platform previously known as Twitter, Rodriguez Jeremy. I'm not calling it its new name, so... I refuse. You know what I say? I say <laughs> I will ca- I will call it by its new name when the man who owns it starts referring to trans people by their new names. <laughs> like, until then, I will use the dead name of a social media platform, okay? I- I'm just calling it Twitter, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can follow me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. <laughs> we'll be we'll seeing, seeing ya. ya.
<laughs> I beat you. <laughs> <laughs>